0: Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and my guest today is Stephanie Rulick. Stephanie, thank you for joining us from Boston.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about this.
0: I reached out to Stephanie on LinkedIn and uh, it's amazing when I, when I landed on her profile, it's like a spider's web of the connections that she had, not just in Boston, but even in the startup space as, as a whole. But please share a little bit of your bio, a little bit of your background with our listeners.
1: Well, that's a very flattering intro. Thank you. Um, yeah, so my name is Stephanie. Um, I founded a organization called Startup Boston. It's completely volunteer-driven, myself included. Um, and we create events initiatives throughout the calendar year. So our flagship event is Startup Boston Week. It brings close to 4,000 people together over the course wow. of five days. It's a lot of fun. Um, but then we also do, you know, a couple monthly events. We do both networking and webinar type of based Um, events to really bring together the whole startup community. So that is definitely what I am obsessed with doing. Um, But then additionally, for my full-time job, I recently left a company I co-founded, and I now run a customer success team over at a new startup called Goldcast, um, which is a virtual events platform, ironically enough. It's like my two worlds colliding. I love it. Um, So that's kind of like the two sides of me right now.
0: So how did you get in this, this startup scene in the first place? I mean, you just woke up 18 years old. I was a teenager. I, I could work at McDonald's or I could go, get, go start up a business. So what, would, what was the story behind that?
1: You know, that sounds like a pretty accurate explanation right there in a sentence, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, so I went through college. I went to UMass Amherst. I had absolutely no idea where I was going to end up, so I got a BA in communications, um, and I still had no idea where I was going to end up. uh, So for the first, like, I think it was like six to eight months post-college, I was like waitressing, working in retail, lifeguarding really just trying to figure out what I was doing. Um, And then I finally got a job because, you know, I was interviewing a lot or applying, but no one wanted me. Um, And I finally applied to a job I found on Craigslist back when that was a thing. Um, And it was to be employee number one at a content marketing agency called N-Marketing. And I was like, cool, like that sounds fun. I don't know anything about marketing or agency life or really I'm super unqualified for this job, but I'm going to give it a go. Um, And I came on board as a part-time employee and eventually, you know, got brought on full time a few months later. And then from there, I actually helped the founder of N- Marketing, Mike Brown, really build out the agency. Um, and him and I kind of, you know, worked together. He brought in about like fifty or so clients. I was responsible for client operations and really managing onboarding new employees and onboarding new clients and kind of what customer success is like now. Um, so that was my bread and butter for like the first like two to three years. And then he had an idea to create a software platform, which was, you know, still in line with content marketing. It was to really put the whole agency online and connect brands to writers. Um, so I went with him and our CTO, Andre, and the three of us pivoted the agency into a SaaS company called Dash, And I became one of the three co-founders. Um, and that's how I got into the startup life. So essentially, I went from Craigslist to startup life in a couple of years. Um, and then from there, I was new founder. It was in twenty. August of 2016 is when we founded that company, and I had no idea what it was doing. I was responsible for doing customer success, which was, again, in line with the agency side. Um, so I was, like, Googling a lot and trying to figure out, like, what exactly I was doing. Like, you know, what, honestly, one of my questions was what, SAS? was, what is SaaS? I was like, what is SaaS? Right. I have no idea. And how idea. do you spell it?
0: Yeah, it and how A's? do you... <laughs>
1: How do you price it? And how do you get people to give you money? And like, they're on this website. How am I supposed to talk to them? I was as green as they came when it came down to this. Um, So then I basically, you know, I try to find networking groups, but none of them really were really useful at the time. They are really good for introing you to people, but not necessarily Mm -hmm. to the startup community. It was, I think it was before a lot of different startup networking groups were available in Boston, or if they were, they were very hidden and you had to kind of know someone. So In September 2017, I put together Startup Boston Week, which was a five-day conference. It was free for everyone. I did it to honestly create content that I myself wanted answered. Um, I eventually found a couple people to tag along and help me plan the event as we went into the summer, which was very helpful because initially I was just by myself planning this thing that I had, you know, was not qualified to do. Um, and we had no marketing budget cause no one wanted to give us money for the event. Cause I was like 25 and people were like, who are you? Why would I cut you a check? And I was like, I don't really know actually. So that's fair. Um, but we got 2,200 people to show up for the first year.
0: Wow. What so year was that?
1: That was in 2017. So
0: you'd been in the startup world for an entire year by that time. (laughs) Yeah. At
1: that point I was, it was like almost a year anniversary. I mean, you were were an experienced professional by then,
0: (laughs) you know, you were a year into it. So,
1: oh my God, looking back, I was like, why did I do both of them around the same time? It was insane. Um, it sounds like though it was born a
0: little bit out of necessity. I mean, you know, you, you had looked and said, is there anything that exists out here that can connect us together that are kind of in the same space and different companies. And, you know, you just filled a void. I mean, you, you felt it was a felt need, but it was, there was a void in the, in the space (laughs) there, but it is, it's amazing to me that, you know, when, when people talk about startups, they immediately think of Silicon Valley, you think maybe even of Austin, places like that, but Boston has such a strong startup scene. What, what are, are the, I guess the fundamental elements or what are the ingredients that make that such a kind of a hotbed for, for startups right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I think there's a lot of factors that go into it. One of them I do think is that we do have an underdog mentality. Like everyone thinks Silicon Valley and we're out here being like, we're cool too. We have awesome tech and awesome people. Like, you know, one of the great pillars of where we're located is like all of the talent we have. Like we have some of the best schools here, yeah. just Harvard, yeah. MIT. Like we have such amazing minds creating awesome things um, in those universities and are being hired for some of the start top startups so that in general I think is like a huge selling point and the fact that like even if you're in the suburbs you're still very close to the city while we have traffic it's still very accessible by like train and you know your your tees and um you know even just being able to drive from like Lowell to Boston is very doable um so I would say kind of like the combination of the talent and accessibility is great but honestly I would definitely say it's the Bostonian attitude which just comes down from being an underdog, and you know, I see it all over my LinkedIn. When when something's announced that we've raised more money at startups versus New York or Silicon Valley, like we take that as a win. We're like, yeah, we're beating them. Mm-hmm. And I personally love that. I absolutely love it. But I also think that's the reason why we're really kind of shining a lot is because of that that mindset. Because I mean, they. Honestly, they have awesome talent too. I know Boston's going to be like, we have better ones. I'm on your side, Boston. I am. But it's it's really just that go getter thing. I think that's also like what entrepreneurship really comes from too. Is people, you know, getting the door closed in their face and being told they can't do something, and those, you know, founders being like, all right, well, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to show you. And we just come together as a community when it comes to like really competing against those other cities. You know, it, it's
0: true. It's kind of like Philadelphia. I mean, there's a, 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 the sports community really drives even the startup community. I mean, you know, how many okay. times have had the Red Sox, you know, come in kind of little yes. brother to the Yankees or, I mean, for years and years and years. And now that, you know, lately they've been better. And I mean, the Patriots, I mean, they're, they went through a really dry period for a long period of time. And then all of a sudden they're, you know, they're a dynasty, you know? So yeah. the Celtics had well, their we dynasty were. period. Well, so. we'll, well yeah. Now okay so past history the last year or two that's right (laughs) you know you got to remember tom brady before he left
1: i'm happy for him now i watched that it was amazing for him i couldn't help it you have to we're still loyal even then
0: (laughs) i mean you know for a 60 year old to win the super bowl i mean it was just amazing you know how how uh, i'm just jealous you know the rest of the world is jealous of boston and tom brady so but tell us a little bit about the about the event itself i mean did not in your wildest dreams when you started planning did you think 2200 people would show up the first year
1: oh no I mean I threw so many like I wouldn't call it hail marys necessarily but I just I kind of went out on a limb and I had no shame asking people for favors and asking people to speak so in year one I got Brian Halligan who is the founder of HubSpot to speak for free I got Paul Lieberman, the founder of DraftKings, also to speak. Jules Pierre, who's the founder of The Gromit. Like, we had some A-plus listers in that first year lineup. I need to thank them. Like, thank you for speaking. That definitely helped, you know, show that this conference was legit. I honestly don't know why they agreed, but I'm really, really thankful for it. I didn't ask questions. I was like, this is great. So, this is where you're going to be. And these are the logistics. I didn't and asked twice I was like yes um so that was a huge help but then also it it was really an interesting moment for me in 2017 because I really had no network I didn't know anyone like that's why I was organizing it to begin with and the whole Boston community like rallied behind it which I think also just goes into like why Boston is becoming like more and more of a main player for yeah. startups because everyone was like, oh, you're doing something to help other founders, help other startups. Like, I want to be involved. Like, what do you need? And it was all these people. It was just, it, it just like kept kind of going forward, like more and more and more people just kept joining. You know, I'd meet one person, they'd intro me to others, like other speakers or venues or people that were just willing to donate time, donate resources to make this happen. So it was really like a bootstrapped event where everyone just came together and was like what do you need who can I connect you with and it was a really great experience it was it was really really fun it was fun and exciting to see everyone else being excited about this and I loved watching it over the past couple years too because even though I'm still leading the charge like people join the team we have like 45 people now on this volunteer team and people are there because they they really care about the startup community and just seeing them oh, take sure. their part yeah. and own it mm-hmm. and get you know excited and get more people excited about it i love it because now it's really become like a community group of people just you know sharing their knowledge and their network and really putting it back into the boston startup scene so it's it, it's magical i love it i get so excited thinking about it
0: <laughs> it is i mean just the 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 names that you listed and the numbers that you had that first year i mean I would think that there would almost be this, this, um, this fear that you're thinking, how can I ever repeat that? You know, <laughs> I mean, that's like, I, I, you know, hit the grand slam year yeah. one. I mean, so if I hit a triple, which would be great if I was just starting out batting, but I hit a grand slam the first time. So how do you, I mean, did you have a sense that I've almost got a, got to amp it up a little bit every year. I've got to kind of do a little better every year. So who do you, who you have this year or who are you going to have next year to, to speak to? Oh kind of my
1: God. As
0: the, as the headliners.
1: No, no, I, I, I feel this so much as you're bringing this up. I'm like, yes, I, I do feel yeah, that. I,
0: I saw you breaking out in a sweat there. <laughs> I was
1: like, oh my God, I don't know. Um, no, honestly. Ignore so,
0: everything I said.
1: No, no, no. I mean, I, I definitely want to answer that. But before I answer too, I just want to say something like, I don't think there will ever be a time where I'm not nervous of people not showing up. I yeah. am always always nervous the night before any event it could be a 20 person event it could be a 4000 person event i think i will always be nervous of oh my god no one is going to come mm. um and i think any event manager and organizer
0: are you more afraid that the participants that. won't come or the or the speaker won't show up
1: the participants never the speakers the speakers are great <laughs> I've only had like one no show for a speaker and they had a legit reason. They were actually really sick. So no, no, I'm not worried about the speakers, but I always get worried. Like, you know, people are like, oh, build in, they will come. And uh, the night before I'm like, let's say they don't come. (laughs) Um, So that will always be a fear. I think even 15 years from now, I'll still be worried that people won't show up. And maybe one day they won't. And then I'll conquer my worst fear at that moment. It'll be a good learning moment for me. Um, But in general, I mean, I do feel like kind of that pressure year over year, like of what are we going to do next? And I do listen to the community in terms of what they want. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like myself and the team, like we keep the mindset on two different things. One is is internal organization. Like what are internal goals? Sometimes, you know, last year it was us figuring out a virtual conference. The year before it was really growing the team and figuring out how to onboard new people because we were not good at that the first two years so that was a huge goal internally but then the second thing that like 2200
0: people i wouldn't say you had a huge (laughs) bottleneck
1: well in terms of like the internal team itself like we just like it was it was difficult to kind of bring new volunteers on and be like this Mm, is what you're doing um so i had to get a lot better at at figuring that out and letting go um which was a struggle i'm not i'm not gonna lie i think any founder can kind of relate to not wanting to let go of part parts and then being like you know what we have these people on the team because they're good at this like this is what they do this is what they're passionate about it's going to be okay and it worked out great of course but it was still it was still frightening um but then the second thing is too is like any event that we approach we're like you know what we want to be the best content and the best speakers and even if there's only two people in the room, like we need to make sure that they have Mm. the best time because some of our events, while we'll have like a lot of people total, some of our events only have like 10 people in a room. Right,
0: like small breakouts or something, right? Yeah,
1: it's like a really niche workshop. Like not Mm -hmm. everyone wants to know about like, you know, how to build, I don't know, like a a prototype for some obscure, you know, blockchain industry or something. Some people use it, but not Mm. everyone's super passionate about it. So the more granular it gets, you just have to focus on making sure that everyone there in the room has a good time.
0: And, I got a secret. Yeah. I, we don't show Please up because not. we don't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> don't want to look oh. stupid. We'll ask questions and the guy will go, do you understand what I do exactly? <laughs>
1: Well, you know it, guys, if, if anyone's listening that and thinking this, you should show up anyway and ask those stupid questions. That's why I made the conference. So you're, <laughs> you're a, in good company. Everybody's a
0: learner. That's <laughs> I'll exactly probably it. ask
1: a, a way more stupid question during that <laughs> learning session. Cause I have no shame. Like, I don't know what we're talking about. Can someone please explain? Thank you. Um, so you'll be in good company.
0: <laughs> I mean, I love the way that you, you kind of approach this. You just said, look, you know, I've got my hands open. We have zero budget. We have a lot of people interested, you know, we would love for, to have you come and speak and just kind of share your wisdom. And actually I, it's just a matter of, you know, kind of selling the vision of giving back to the, to the space that actually has built them, has built their companies, yeah. you know, that whole environment, that ecosystem. And, and that's, that's where, I mean, there are certain places in the country that it seems like that that is much stronger than other places. And, you know, Austin does come to mind and Boston comes to mind of places that companies do tend to cooperate more than mm-hmm. than compete. And it's, it's really a unique environment. And I mean, it's yeah. just great to see from the outside.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, I do think that Boston still has a little bit more to go um, with that in mind. Like, I think the reason why Silicon Valley has been so far ahead is because of their, their extreme openness you know, competitors sitting down and having coffee and chatting about challenges in their space is something very common out there. And in Boston, people won't even dream of doing that. And I think like, it's, it is a thing. Like, I think that is something that people need to get more comfortable doing. Like, you know, it's competitive, but it's healthy. It's healthy competition and we Mm -hmm. can't go and crack big problems or you know I mean solve for big problems if we don't if we don't work together and yeah like let's say you get a little too friendly with your competitor and they give you a run for your money like hey I guess you got to go up your game too like you're just going to become better as a result um so I do think with that in mind like to echo what you're saying like yeah like the the startup communities that are more open and want to work together and support each other are going to do better um but Boston still needs to needs to work on it a bit more.
0: <laughs> yeah, but there's, I mean, the the people that I've encountered there have been extremely open to, I mean, discuss, even even kind of pull back the curtain, you know, so to speak about yeah, it's how their companies operate way. for sure, it, it's yeah. it's amazing to see. But have you ever been tempted to that, that make this your gig? I mean, <laughs> to make Startup Boston Week, you know, kind of, and, and the smaller events that are around it. I mean, there there is, I mean, it costs money to do the logistics, there's value that you're providing. I mean, have you ever thought, you know, I could add 20 bucks a ticket and pay myself a salary, you know, type thing. So,
1: yeah, I actually had a really good, uh, self-reflection time this winter. So I quit. Um, I left my company and dash in late November, early December, and during that down period, I think it was like five weeks of like an actual break, which was really nice. And during that time, I, I thought about it. I was like, oh, like maybe I'll make this full time. Like it was something that I was thinking about playing around with my head in the past year. But honestly, having those five weeks of like not working and really thinking about what I wanted made me realize I did not want to do this as my full time job. Mm, yeah. I just wasn't done building tech yet. I love building tech companies and that's what drew me to working at Goldcast was because they're a small tech company. I think they turned like a year old in like a month or two. So I got in there at the ground floor and I could really help like, you know, build a customer success team again and kind of really pull up my sleeves and do that like heavy lifting. And I love that. I love it. Plus their founders are amazing. They work harder than anyone else I know. Um, They they give me a run for my money. I'm like, oh my God, I have to keep up with them. Um, But Yeah. I just don't, I don't see it happening quite yet. Like maybe in the future, but not, not for the next couple of years. I don't think.
0: (laughs) So did you meet them through the Startup Boston community? Did you meet the founders?
1: Yeah, it was in a roundabout way. Like someone I knew liked something someone else posted. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, oh, that looks interesting. And then I ended up interviewing for the job. Um, So it was like I guess it was a roundabout startup community because it was definitely through a Startup Boston connection. Like I don't yep. know any other way, right. but I honestly don't even remember who liked whatever the post was. Um, but yeah, <laughs> always build your network. It helps.
0: <laughs> no doubt about it. No, and, and, and the more that we become kind of a, a remote virtual, you know, work environment, I think it's gonna be more and more important for sure. I mean, because we literally are, you could work for anybody in the world you know, know, anywhere in the world anytime. So, you know, some of the largest companies in the world are are either almost nearly completely remote, or they are completely remote. So it's, it's amazing to, to see how that's transformed just in the last 18 months or so.
1: Yeah, I was really spoiled even uh, for for the past two years, even before COVID, I've, I've been a remote employee. Um, and I found it interesting, because when COVID happened, and everyone worked from home, after like the initial shock of not being able to leave your home. Cause it was awful. Mm-hmm. That was awful. That was worse than actual, you know, remote, right. normal remote work. That was right. not a good time. Um, but as we've slowly been able to do a little bit more and more, like I, I find it interesting how all of my friends who never wanted to work at home now are like, I don't want to go back into the office. And I'm like, see, it's not, it's not so bad. Once you get into your flow, um, wish it was under different circumstances, but all in all it's, been an interesting, interesting thing to watch in that regard and only that regard.
0: So what do you think it's, how is the business environment? I mean, there is no going back to normal. I mean, there, there will be some form of new normal, you know, kind of post COVID. What are you seeing? You know, what are you hearing kind of in the, in the airwaves out there about what, what work will look like?
1: Yeah. I mean, I do think, I think it seems like a lot of people are more of a fan of a hybrid approach where Mm -hmm. you have an office, but it's not required versus always having to work from home. That seems to be kind of what has been in like the airwaves, at least in my circles, Mm -hmm. um, which is completely understandable because you can go crazy being at home for seven days a week and not seeing people. So I get that part. Um, And then in terms of like the, the event space, I mean, I think... I think hybrid is going to be again like the way it is because it's like you want the best of both worlds like if if there's a conference happening you still want to be able to see it even if you can't travel to it like and now that we've been you know really kind of forced to figure it out I I think that's also going to be here. Here to stay. I don't think it will ever be fully virtual. I think mm-hmm. you'll have to do kind of a half to half. So having like those, those services where you can, you know, you know, either live stream content to a virtual audience and have that virtual audience interact with the live stream content there. And then also, you know, in person, I think is like probably like the best way to do it. Cause you don't want to just live stream a webinar. That's really boring. Right. Right. Um, but kind of like figuring out that mix is going to be something in like 2022, I think.
0: Um, you, people start turning their cameras off on Zoom, and you know they're either taking a bathroom break or they're folding laundry, or they're.
1: Or in my things. case, I'm stuffing my face on the other end, being like, "This is the only thirty minutes I have." The there. <laughs>
0: That's right during the call. So uh, yeah. I, I'm, yeah, I'm just telling all my secrets on my Zoom call. So. No, no, you're
1: good. Uh, We're good. I think that
0: there is a, I think there's value to the hybrid model. I mean, I, I have come my day job. I came from like a five days a week in, in an office or at least four out of five days a week, it would be nice if I could go there maybe one or two days a week and make sure I schedule kind of my in office meetings on those days, meet with my team, but it gives them some autonomy too. I mean, they don't, they don't want me in their, in their grill five days a week. I don't need to be in their grill five days a week, you know, so hire people we can trust and let them, let them do the job. You know, I think just, it's that.
1: And at least for me in start life too, it's also like, well, those two hours I didn't spend commuting. I got a lot done. And that's no been a huge wake up call to a lot of people, whether it's like working out, having more time with your family yep. or catching up on emails, whatever your fancy is like, that's, that's time that used to be kind of wasted with your right. commute that you get back. And it's it's awesome.
0: <laughs> How do you manage the day? Like, I mean, when you went from, say, being in an office to being at home, I mean, how do you kind of turn off that switch at five o'clock or six o'clock or seven o'clock or whatever? Or do you kind of find yourself, it gets a little gray, you know, my day, my work day is a little gray now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I'm probably the worst um, because I'll have my full time, but then I have start Boston on the side. So I'm probably like the worst, but I definitely have to go and set lines to myself. Otherwise I suffer from like severe burnout. Yeah. So I think everyone's different. I don't think there's any like, you know, cookie cutter solution for me, what works is like, I'll usually go like really hard, like work, like, you know, 12, 14 hour days, honestly, like Monday through like Thursday and then come Friday around like 7 PM is where I guess that would still be 12 hours, but at 7 PM on Friday is when I'm like, I need to like not be here and I'll have wine or tea or whatever it is and like veg out and watch like the worst TV you can think of. And then my weekends, I always give myself one day where I'm not online, like nothing, there will be nothing. I'll work my other day, but I will not do anything for that one day. And for me personally, having that one day where I don't open my computer Mm. is like, that's what I need to like get myself going. But I feel like other people have other ways. I've heard people like they really outline their schedule. So like they know on an hourly basis, what they're doing, whatever works. But for me, my one day a week, that's perfect.
0: <laughs> I mean, I, I love that idea. And I, it, it, I mean, I, I think back, it's almost like a, you know, coin, like doing a Sabbath, you know, like yes. where, you know, it's like Friday night to Saturday night, you know, you're, I'm shutting down, no, yeah. no electronics, no, whatever. That type Oh, that's of thing,
1: literally, so. it's like Friday night to like Sunday morning. And then I'm like, okay. I guess I'll, I'll go back to it now.
0: <laughs> and, and then if something does pop again.
1: up, like obviously there's exceptions, sure. but yeah, for the most part, like Saturday is my day. Yeah. <laughs> like That's it. <laughs>
0: I, I do. I think that's healthy. And I think, I think our listeners need to really, you know, kind of camp on that one and, and think, you know, Hey, am I doing that? Am I, is there a time that I'm really unplugging during the week? Because I
1: can tell like when I don't burn out. Yeah. It's like when I don't, it's like my productivity. Not there. It's just, it's very, very bad. So yes, we're well, in
0: agreement. Also <laughs> about uh, Startup Boston, like with COVID, I know that you, you mentioned that the, the event was at, uh, I don't know if you mentioned on this recording or if I was listening to another, another interview you were doing, but you mentioned that it is a, on a, in a virtual format this year. So how has it been different? How is it going to be different? Are, are there going to be smaller breakout rooms? Is it going to be this virtually the same format, just on online?
1: Yeah, so this past year, we did it all virtual, Um, we kind of started that pivot around May. Um, So we did it all via zoom and we we had you know a slack channel for people to network on we use this app called icebreaker which is really good for some speed dating um you know mm-hmm. networking it also mm-hmm. provides you with questions which was really cool um and then of course like all of our events at that time were on zoom because it was what we knew what we were all comfortable right. with um this year we were rooting for hybrid beginning to think that's not going to be you know what ends up happening we'll make an official announcement probably in a month once i chat with the team but guessing it's probably not going to happen by the looks of it I'm still crossing my fingers though um so if we do end up going completely virtual um we want to really work to make it way more interactive than we did this past year like this past year we were really just getting our toes wet we really tried to foster connections I think we did an okay job but we can always do better um, so, for me, kind of, I guess to go back to your way earlier question, how we're stepping up our game, we're still looking for speakers. So, if you have suggestions, go to Star at boss.org and let us know who you think should speak at the event. Um, but for us on a personal team level, if we end up being 100% virtual as it looks, um, it's really to figure out like more, more networking events that aren't just mm-hmm. like a free for all and fostering more one-on-one connections, maybe doing some office hours, maybe connecting out-of-state investors to, you know, mm-hmm. founders in Boston, like with virtual, like, as you pointed out, like you can meet people from anywhere now, like not right. just even for your job, but like, you know, in terms of really kind of establishing partnerships and, you know, locking in money, um, investment right. money. So we're kind of trying to like, at this point, we've been brainstorming a lot we we just had our kickoff about a month ago so we should have like you know our agenda here soon um but it's a lot of like who can we connect to the startup community who at the startup community wants to be connected to someone out of state out of country maybe it's even just like you know hooking up like people from cape cod to you know lowell which is north of boston right because even those two cities like we're in the same state, but they're so far away and they don't talk to one another. So mm-hmm. um, we're gonna have a lot of fun connecting a bunch of different groups. And that's that's what I'll say now, because I don't have a better plan at the moment, but that's the goal.
0: <laughs> well, no more in a month.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a, the, the term is fluid. It's not flexible, it's fluid. We need to be fluid. fluid. You know? We're that's figuring right. it out. <laughs> So does, does the event have like a shark tank or a lion's den or, or however you want to phrase it? Do you have that that element built in that where VCs can get, get pitched to by startups?
1: So we actually don't have that during Startup Week, but we are partnering um, with this company called Cubic Labs. It's a co-working space based in Quincy, Mass that i I live in Quincy, so, um, but we are launching a month-long pitch competition uh, mm. come April 2nd together, um, and that will be kind of our first stab at doing that. It's going to be three rounds of voting. Two, two of the voting rounds will be done by the public. The final round will be by a panel of judges, um, you know, investors, uh, you know, founders who really know their stuff. Um, but that will be the first time we do something like that. So I'm really, really excited for it.
0: That'll be that'll be fun. I I if uh if that's online, I would love to watch oh, that.
1: It will be. It will. I'll send you a link and that way you can tune in. You can also vote. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited. I've never done a pitch competition before. So it'll either be really good or really bad. We'll find out.
0: <laughs> uh, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. Well, it sounds like to me that you are you're never bored and you you always kind of fill the schedule and You know, as we're wrapping up today, I wanted to let you kind of fade into your, into your Sabbath weekend that you have ahead of you, but is there anything we haven't touched on that you want to just kind of close us with today that you think would be really good for our listeners to hear?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess like if I was going to have like one ask, it would be to go to startupboss.org, um, startupbos.org, um, solely to sign up to our newsletter or to submit yourself as a speaker, others as speakers, you can volunteer there. Um, but that's kind of like where our home base is. And I actually personally look at every single email. So if you do reach out there, I will respond. It might be in 48 hours, but usually no longer than that. So Well, especially if yeah. you send
0: it to her on Friday night, you just count on the fact that it'll be Sunday before you hear Oh
1: Yeah, Sunday morning, 100% of that. <laughs>
0: That point. exactly <laughs> right wake up good mornings boston it's all right a sunday morning we are back in line we were back exactly online, so. <laughs> well stephanie it's been a pleasure to talk to you today and and uh, just to i mean I, you crammed so much in such a short period of time i mean we've kind of gone through your startup phase and the startup boston phase and covid and just how you even got into this and 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 the even your personal kind of your personal day how do you manage your workflow and stuff like that during the week and it, it has just been really good to hear your story and your the, what you're involved with currently. But just thank you for really taking the time today and just playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Stephanie, have a great weekend.
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Another episode in the books.
0: We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.